Welcome back to B2B Podcasting Field Guide, the show that helps you launch and grow a successful business podcast. Today, I speak with Ali Hussein, the SVP of Strategy at The Marketing Practice and the host of the very successful podcast, How to Grow a CMO. There aren't many B2B agencies that are really getting podcasting right right now, but this is an example of a really great one. It's focused on CMOs of large tech businesses. CMOs are notoriously a very difficult bunch of people to get in front of. They're time poor, they're heavily sold to, uh, but they've managed to interview some top marketing leaders from companies like VMware, Cisco, Dell, just go down the list of some of the biggest tech companies in the world. And that's really helped them position themselves as a brand leader, helping big tech brands go to market. It's helped them win new business. It's helped them keep new business and develop relationships with existing clients. And for agency or consultancy style businesses, where the majority of the revenue is in the hands of a handful of clients, building and nurturing relationships is crucial. So we discuss everything from whether it's better to have a host with domain expertise or not, the value of podcasting for consultancies, how he makes sure the content is relevant for his audience, how podcasting balances the playing field between client and advisor, the future of B2B podcasting, and what he's learned about the CMO role. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. This is old. This is new. This is influence. Ali Hussein, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Nathan. Looking forward to the chat. Ali, I'm super excited to talk to you because you are the host of the fantastic podcast, How to Grow a CMO from TMP, The Marketing Practice. You talk to CMOs of all shapes and sizes from some of the biggest B2B tech brands in the world. So I thought we could have a really interesting chat about how you found the podcasting journey, because I think you entered in season two, there was a, a, a an external host for season one. So I'm, I'm interested to understand sort of how you found the podcasting journey, how you find podcasting applies to B2B specifically, and specifically the agency side of B2B. Um, because by that, I mean, consultancy led businesses that are selling high value kind of expertise and ideas at the end of the day, that's what most agencies do. So I'd be interested to speak to you from that point of view in terms of the value that podcasting has added to you and your business TMP. But first, tell the audience a little bit about yourself before we get into all of that. Sure. Uh, so I'm Ali Hussain. I'm SVP of Strategy at the Marketing Practice. I've been at TMP for about five years now. Um, and I absolutely love it. It's a wonderful place to work. Um, and I have been fortunate enough to work with lots and lots of different brands prior to joining TMP, so across the B2C and the B2B space. Um, and way back when, I was actually an experimental psychologist for a little while too. Um, so it's been a journey really focused around communication and how to change people's behavior in various different ways. Um, there's probably one slightly interesting nuance to my career, which might be a little bit unusual that I was a musician for quite a while too. So I had a lot of experience of performing and um, a lot of experience uh, around sound and audio as well in production. Um, so yeah, so it's been a, an interesting journey, uh, but now I'm lucky to advise some of the world's leading software and tech brands on, on how to go to market. That is an interesting journey. You, as I said, you became host of the show in season two, 
season one, they had an external host. When they decided to look for a host internally inside TMP, what made you raise your hand? What made you go, yeah, I'm I'm really up for doing that? So I love podcasts and I have done for a very long time. Um, so to some extent, I, I was already converted to the idea of them. You know, I think the first podcast that I subscribed to was, was Radio Lab, uh, perhaps a long time ago, 99% Invisible. Um, and then I started to listen to things like the HBR podcast, McKinsey podcast. Um, and I knew that they were just a great opportunity. And the way that our podcast is set up is that I get to speak to CMOs from around the world, which is, a, an, again, something that I really enjoy doing. Um, and, and actually, when I say speak to, it's much more me listening to them. Um, and so that felt like an opportunity for me to to get involved in something I knew I'd already loved, um, added to the fact that I, like I said, do have a bit of a history of performance. I don't get hugely nervous um, being on camera or or hearing my own voice back. Uh, I'm not a total narcissist either. I don't, I don't love listening to my own voice, but I'm comfortable doing it. Um, and I think if I have one real skill, I think it is as uh, somebody who's capable of listening um, to what other people are really trying to say. So, yeah, so for me, it was just, there was, there was no reason not to do it. And I was really excited when I, when I was asked. How do you think about what you bring as an interviewer to the show? By the way, we're going to jump around a little bit because I think it'd be interesting to talk to you about how you think about the content and the questions and how you make Mm -hmm. sure that the show and the content for the guests is as interesting as, as relevant as possible. Um, but I'd also like to talk about your own style mm-hmm. and how that style differs in terms of positioning an agency brand. Because you look at, you know, famous agencies you think of, or famous personalities behind agencies, you think of David Ogilvy, you think of Roy Sutherland uh, for um, Ogilvy. Um, they have been quite prominent people. They put out a lot of great thought leadership. They almost in some ways become bigger than the brand in, 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 in mm-hmm. some ways. And that helps the agency attract clients, keep clients. Uh, it, it, it keeps the name of the agency on the, on the lips of, of decision makers around the world. How do you think about what unique skill and value that you bring to the conversation as the host of the show? And how do you think about making the show as interesting and as valuable as possible both for the listener and and for the guest. So perhaps where to start would be the the brilliant host we had for season one, who was a, a seasoned presenter, um, but she wasn't a marketer and she didn't have deep marketing knowledge. So one of the things I was excited to bring to the second season, my voice is nowhere near as, as sonorous and as easy to listen to as her voice is. Um, what I do have is a depth of marketing experience and, and a bit of an understanding of our clients' worlds. So my opportunity was to bring some of that knowledge to bear and to dig a little bit deeper into the conversations and into the topics that, that the CMOs wanted to cover um, and to start to shape a little bit of a story in each episode that wasn't just around their personal lives, but also around their kind of marketing philosophy and and how they approach the jobs, as well as some of the practical problems they might experience. So we've actually landed on 
this uh, framework that I think about as the four P's and it being a marketing podcast, it's a kind of very crass joke, but we have per- people's personal stories, um, people's marketing philosophy, um, their kind of professional career arcs, um, and also some practical tips as well so that people feel like they get something easily applicable uh, out of the episode when they listen to it. The four P's of, of podcasting. That's a definite inside joke for all marketeers. You have to be yeah. a marketeer to understand that joke. Exactly. Um, yeah. Absolutely love it. Which I think probably speaks a little bit to um, to our audience as well. You know, the nature of it is that it, it is quite a niche topic. You know, we're not looking for um, millions upon millions of people listening to our show every week. Uh, we probably wouldn't say no to it, but I, I think it's unrealistic and not something that we would target. Um, but instead, you know, you have jokes like that and even aim high, Ali. It, well, thank you very much. Uh, it depends what high means really. Um, but, but even in, in the kind of conversations where, I, where I'm speaking to CMOs beforehand or, or afterwards, a little joke, uh, calling it a joke actually makes me a little bit uncomfortable, but uh, whatever it is, uh, a thing like that, um, can actually land quite well with the, the types of people that we're talking to. So you bring me on to an interesting point, actually, about the value of podcasting for B2B companies specifically and agencies in particular. For B2B companies, typically they are defined by the fact that they've got a handful of really valuable clients. And if one of those clients either leave or, um, you know, they give them more work, then that could really help turn around or be quite disastrous for the company. Um, generally, they are defined by having quite senior decision makers that it's hard to get access to. Um, they're heavily sold to already by a lot of other B2B brands. Um, and as I said, they are quite valuable in terms of the the dollar amount that they represent for the agency or the business. Talk to me about what you feel the benefits of podcasting are for B2B brands specifically, given what you know about the nature of B2B? There are, there are kind of three ways I think about the benefits. One is increasing the brand awareness. So as the marketing practice brand, we get to be associated with these fantastic CMOs, uh, exactly the kind of target audience, the people we tend to work with. Um, secondly, it helps reinforce our credibility. So it's a, it's a great association um, it's also a wonderful category entry point to be associated with CMOs. And, you know, if I am a CMO looking for, for conversations with other CMOs, then, then we're going to be there as a brand. Um, and the third thing is actually access as well. So I get to have conversations with CMOs. I might not otherwise get to talk to you quite so easily and readily um, and about so many different things as well. And the nature of those conversations is that they're relationship building. They're, I don't have sales conversations in the podcasts. They are very much just building relationships with the people that I get to speak to and understanding their, their worldview in a way that you couldn't have if you set up a, a sales meeting or, you know, perhaps if you bumped into them at a conference and had five or 10 minutes conversation, I get to sit down and, and ask them questions and listen to what they have to say for an hour, um, which is a really unique framing of any kind of conversation. It's, it's away from sales. It's much more around the relationship building. Um, and also, actually, there's, there's one other benefit that I've mentioned just on a personal level. It's it's phenomenally educational for me. Um, I get to learn how these how these people think. Um, I don't always agree with everything they say, 
Um, and that's always the case in marketing, really. There's, there's no unified theory of it. Um, but it, it is a fantastic opportunity for me to test some of my thinking and to, and to hear what they think about how to approach marketing, the challenges they have. That's a really good way of framing it. Um, we'll come back to sort of testing your own thinking and, and your own learning in a moment. But as far as the benefits go, I also feel it helps to level the playing field in many ways, because if you set up a sales meeting or if you meet them at an event, there's automatically this, I want to call it a power imbalance mm-hmm. where, you know, they are, you know, they're the client, you're the vendor and they know, and you know that you're trying to sell them something in some way, shape or form. You know, the time is limited at an event. There's all these other competing interests and all these other competing people looking for their time um, in a, Similarly, in a when you set up a meeting and you go to their office or they or they come to yours, there is definitely a I am the client and you know show me what you can do. So there's a power imbalance there, I feel. And that when you sit down for a podcast and it's an hour and it's just the two of you having a long form conversation about many different things, not just their domain expertise and marketing, but areas of their lives that normally you wouldn't get a chance to speak to otherwise it it levels the playing field I almost feel it makes you appear um in a way that any other sort of in any other meeting situation you you're not appear especially as an agency because there are so many great agencies out there that are also wanting to work with these people and get access to them in some way shape or form yeah I, I completely agree. Um, there's a lovely quote from a CEO that I spoke to a little while ago, and he said, look, vendors can either be suppliers or partners, and I work with partners. Um, and, and I think, so not only do you have that benefit of uh, starting on a more level playing field, it's actually setting up a much healthier type of relationship um, where your opinions are potentially valued more highly because you're presenting yourself as a partner um, there's a very clear value exchange up front, but it isn't you're paying me to do something. It's, you know, I'm giving you a platform to share some of your thoughts. Um, and equally, there's a respect that we are the ones providing that platform for them to do it. So as a, as a way to set up a relationship, um, it's, it's very effective, I think. Uh, you, you know, it shows, and, and this is something I believe hugely important as a, as a kind of core value for me is curiosity. And it starts from a place of curiosity. You know, the way that we set the podcast up, I am asking them questions. I'm looking to understand more about their world and, and share that with the listeners. Um, so it's a very, very, very healthy, healthy way to start a relationship. Um, I wonder actually if it's you know, very loose thinking, but if it's something that could actually be used in, in other situations, I probably I should probably use it more often in other areas of my life. Uh, as a kind of first first conversation like with people. It's a very intentional way of setting right. up a healthy conversation, a healthy relationship, isn't it? So perhaps I should start a podcast for other things as well to try and do Interview the same your thing. Interview your wife, your, your exactly, kids. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, my kids, right. that'd be a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. The local yeah. council member. Yes. Exactly <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. So it's an interview style show. So you're asking these CMOs, questions i wonder how much do you think about how much of ali hussein to add into into that conversation and that dialogue because you want the space 
for the CMO and the guests to speak because that's the reason why you've invited them on the show in the first place to kind of share their views. You don't want to dominate the conversation, but you also want to add your own opinion and thought leadership. You also want to add presumably the perspective and the thought leadership of TMP and the brand that you represent because that's part of the reason why you're on the show. So you kind of want to infuse a little bit of Ali Hussein, I would think, and a little bit of TMP, but you don't want to be dominating or domineering in any way. How do you think about that balance between letting the guests speak and being an open forum for them and inserting your own perspectives and personality? For me, as you've said, the balance is always that we are creating a space for the guests to share their story. And actually that's quite on brand uh, for the marketing practice. We are very client centric um, and we're here to help our clients solve their marketing challenges. So it is quite egoless. There are some agencies, you know, there, there are different ways and, and it's not necessarily a right or a wrong approach, um, but there are different ways for some agencies have an extremely strong personality of their own that they can imprint on everything that they touch, all the work that they do, the projects that they manage. Um, and that's absolutely one very, very valid approach for us as a marketing practice, we tend to want to help our, put our clients first and solve the challenges that they see from their perspective as, as obviously well as bring our own expertise into it. Um, so there is a kind of consistency, fortunately for that interview format, whereby me asking questions of the client looking to understand our world is a very on brand thing for us to be doing. At the same time, I'm aware that to make the podcast interesting, um, I've grown a little bit more confident in sharing some of my own thoughts and perspectives because I think that can sometimes lead to slightly richer territory. You know, I, I don't want it to be a podcast where everything that is said by the guest is taken as gospel truth. You know, I do want to sometimes share other approaches, other perspectives, and, and make sure that people are able to think critically as they listen to it. Um, and that's something I encourage everyone to do. Uh, and actually, I think one of the one of the larger challenges in B2B marketing is that the, the noise of the crowd, um, kind of a groupthink mentality, can really hold us back from actually getting to some really sensible thinking sometimes. Um, so that's not just about listening to the guests on the show, but actually, you know, anywhere you encounter thinking around B2B marketing. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's, it's, it's a slight balance. I sometimes listen to other podcasts, uh, and maybe the extreme would be something like the one Scott Galloway podcast. Um, he's probably got up to like nine or 10 by now. Um, but he is somebody who can take a <laughs> microphone. Where all him. Yeah. I mean, he is the show, right? And which is fine. Right. It's fantastic. Very entertaining to listen to. Riff. Yeah. And he can essentially get in front of right. a, a microphone and just talk. And it's a Scott Galloway show and he is always a focus. Um, there's another interesting, but, but you know, that's not, that's not what we do. I don't have his profile. Um, and that's not the purpose of the podcast. The purpose of the podcast isn't to say, look at me, I'm great. It's to... Un, you know, give create a space for the stories of the, of the guests, like I said. Um, so yeah, so it's not, it, it's, it's never going to be, be the Ali Hussein, the Ali Hussein show. It's never going to be the Ali Hussein show. Um, maybe I'll release another podcast as the Ali Hussein show, but um, no, there's, that's certainly not my intention, <laughs> intention for this. 
So I think this is an interesting place to explore, actually, because, as you said, there's no right and wrong to it. And I think different agencies and different brands approach things in, in, in different ways. I mean, you look at people like Larry King or David Letterman and their style of interviewing is to almost be the naive interviewer. You know, they don't let on that they've done a huge amount of prep. They may have done and their team may have done, but they kind of go in going, hmm, tell me, you know, I'm, I'm naive. I'm, they're almost acting as the audience or a, a novice coming into, coming into this space. It's been interesting to understand your change of strategy between Caroline, the host of season one, who almost acted as that Larry King. Uh, she didn't have the domain expertise that, that you clearly have, but she was able to approach topics in marketing almost from a slightly, I want to say naive <laughs> um, point of view, just a, a, a novice perspective. Clearly, there was a change of tact for season two and you wanted to add more thought leadership uh, and more direction um, into the conversations. Is there a right and wrong there? Because as far as Caroline is concerned, she's giving the guest a platform to speak at length, um, whereas you want to presumably challenge them a little bit more and 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 you know, potentially provoke and just add some controversy potentially to make the conversation a little bit more interesting. Just just riff on that idea for a minute. I think there's some really practical, small, seemingly small practical things you can do. One is I find it very useful to speak to them beforehand and let them know what you're going to be talking to them about. Um, so we have that pre-interview, like you say, where I spend 15, 20 minutes just saying, oh, first of all, hello, uh, let's get through those those hello bits um, talk about, make some small talk. There's some lovely research about small talk and the importance of it and what we've lost from working from home as a result of it. Um, but small talk actually serves quite an important social function in terms of making people feel comfortable with the, the person they're talking to. So encourage a little bit of that kind of general small talk, bit of, bit of warming up to it. Um, and then make them, you know, some guests, like you say, I'll, I'll do a little bit of preparation, but some guests will want to prepare themselves quite methodically that's just the type of type of people they are that they want to have a list of okay well, I want to go and talk about talk about these sorts of things I know the questions going to be in these areas here are some key points to hit others absolutely won't like you say they won't have thought about it until two minutes after the call started they get a notification like oh god yeah I've got to do this thing now um so so having a prequel I think does help um secondly making sure the technical side of stuff is sorted um you know we We've had hiccups. Uh, we had a hiccup this morning, entirely my fault, I'd add. Um, and But for some guests, that technical side of things can be a real distraction. Um, and you don't want to start a conversation or start a, a meeting, a podcast, feeling like a bit of a numpty, uh, like you're slightly incompetent in some way. Um, and and you, 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 know, you want actually the guests to feel very comfortable and, and confident in the space they're in. And if they're there trying to enter another password or change settings on a program they've never used before, it can knock their flow, it can knock them out of right. out of their comfortable space. So so sure. it's quite mundane, but actually really My important. headphones are not working. Yeah, headphones not working. Oh, you didn't say I needed headphones. Oh, no, oh, you're recording me. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a video's on. All right, okay, I'm going to change out of my pajamas, that kind of stuff. It doesn't really- We did send you, know, you this in the prep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and never assume they've read all of that. Right. Um, so, so having that initial meeting is really good. And then actually- at the beginning of the conversation, 
much like you and I did before we kicked off the recording here. It was just, hello, how are you doing? Um, again, just that small talk, that natural flow. Um, and one thing I have found, just a, a little tip, um, and I, I, I'm fascinated by behavioral science. I think loads of it's nonsense, but there's also useful patterns to look for in it as well. There's something about finding the topics that they relax into. You can sometimes see a guest almost visibly the shoulders uh, just get a little bit less tense, a little bit less tight. Um, there was a guest that I interviewed a CMO at a fantastic up and coming tech firm. Um, and she loved wine, hugely knowledgeable about wine. But, you know, I interviewed her at three in the afternoon. It was her eight or nine in the morning. She wasn't about to go and drink a bottle of wine, but we could have a chat about wine before we started talking. And, and immediately, yeah, she relaxed. It was, it felt a lot more natural. It didn't feel like a business meeting. It felt much more like a conversation from that point onwards. So, so I'd, I'd recommend that as well. Totally agree with you, 100%. I think when you can find a topic that gets the guests fired up and you can see in their eyes, their eyes light up, their shoulders relax, and they kind of rub their hands together metaphorically going, right, I'm, I'm ready to speak about this. I think, I think that's when you've hit gold as far as content is concerned. But I think the only way you get there is through your research and your prep, right? Like if you didn't, you know, I've done tons of interviews whereby I've mentioned something in my research that was very esoteric and very niche and you'd, you'd have to dig really deep to be able to find it. But I brought that to the interview and they've almost been shocked that I've found that out, number one. So they're impressed by that. But number two, it gives them something to talk about that they're really passionate about that they don't talk about on other podcasts. Other hosts haven't asked them those sorts of questions. So suddenly you're into this kind of virgin territory and you are creating new value and a new sort of avenue of content, both for you, the host, for the guest, and for the listener, more importantly. Um, so talk about the importance of, of research. Um, just tell me, you know, what's your process for doing research? How much prep do you do? Um, what goes into, into that? Because, you know, that's a, I'm sure you would agree, a really important part of making the, the conversation valuable. It, it is. So I'm lucky that I have a, a ground, a foundation of knowledge that will apply to most of the guests that I meet. And I'm talking about a topic that is um, a significant percentage of my life. Uh, and I love it. And I, I myself am passionate about it. So that makes things easier. I, I read a lot around it. I'm involved in a lot of the conversations around it. And a lot of the people I speak to are either clients or work for businesses I know very well. But added on to that, you know, I'm also, I, I'm a strategist. It's part of my job to, to research things a lot of the time, to understand things. Um, there is so much now available online and it's very rare. The type of guests that we have on the show, CMOs, relatively high profile marketers, it's very rare that you can't quickly do a bit of desk research and find interesting things that they've either written or quotes from them in interviews, quotations from interviews. Um, so it, it doesn't take very long. And then, you know, five, 10 minutes. If you, even if you didn't know a great deal about them beforehand, you can have a quick look on the LinkedIn profile, a little bit of look on the comp company website, look at the businesses they've worked out before. You can get a bit of a sense of what's going on just from that and combine that with the 15, 20 minute conversation you've had with them beforehand. Um, and, and you tend to be in a pretty good space. I'd, I'd imagine you have to work quite a lot harder 
if you're talking about themes and topics that you yourself don't have much of a grounding in. But as it is, I'm quite fortunate. You know, I'm talking about I'm talking about a world that I know quite well, and then I can just layer a little bit of research into them as a person on top of that. As you think about the future of the medium, um, where podcasting could go, the value of podcasting for B2B, how do you think the medium is going to evolve and, and change over the next few years? So I think it's it's easy to focus on what will change. It's, it's exciting and it's fun to talk about what will change a lot in things. Um, but actually the fundamentals of a lot of the podcasts we do are they're just conversations between people. Um, and that's been uh, a relatively standard format for quite some time, you know, a few tens of thousands of years, and it'll probably continue to be relatively successful for some time to come. So I think there are some fundamentals there, which is listening to two people having a conversation about something you're interested in, um, how much of that really needs to change. One thing I've see, started to see in the space is that obviously it is getting more crowded. Like any channel that seems to get a little bit of momentum, more people jump into it and see what they can do in it. So there might be a site fragmentation. And, and I guess that can go two ways. So either you start to see that there have become some dominant players, even in, in, in a niche space, like, you know, B2B, CMO focus or marketing leader focused podcasts like we're in. Um, there might be a few that, that sustain and grow and become the podcasts that are more, more serious. Or you might see because, like I said, it's a relatively light lift, actually more podcasts do appear in the space and perhaps the listen, listeners themselves surf across podcasts a little bit more um, and it becomes that kind of broader repertoire market. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know that from a listener point of view, if I think about what I enjoy about podcasts, I don't see a reason why that would change over the next few years. Um, I enjoy listening to interesting people talk about topics that I'm interested in. Um, so I can't see that. I can't see there's a reason for that to change. Okay, Ali, final question. They say never meet your heroes. Um, and considering that you've met and spoken to so many amazing CMOs, has that changed the way that you look at the role of the CMO now for better or worse? How has it changed the way that you think about CMOs and who they are and sort of what they, you know, the value that they deliver to the role? It definitely humanizes them. Like we've touched on, the nature of the podcast is we get to have conversations we wouldn't otherwise have. So I think that's nice. It, it, it's very obvious, but it's always easier to believe it once you've actually experienced it. You know, whether that's a dog jumping onto their lap or, you know, a kid running past in the background or talking about their love of wine or anything else. It, it absolutely does humanize them. And that probably makes me feel a little bit more comfortable talking to them. Um, the other part is that it has helped to see the range of approaches that people have and the range of problems that, that people have as, as marketers. So there isn't a fixed way when we, you know, the, the title of the show, how to grow a CMO, there's a way of reading that title, which is, oh, you'll find out the right answer in how to grow a CMO. And that's not true. Ultimately, what we find out through the show is there are many, many different ways to grow into being a CMO. Um, depending on the situation you find yourselves in, the, the person you are, and no two people have really taken the same route with the same approach to become a CMO. Now, 
you might take a step back and go, oh, that's actually a, that's a bad thing. That's a function of the fact that marketing isn't a, a scientific enough discipline. And actually there should be right answers in marketing. And, and I lean towards some of that thinking some of the time, but I'm also very aware that there are very specific and important nuances in each of their careers and each of the, the roles that they now find themselves in, which if you're a smart person changes how you approach something. Um, and so I think if, if anything, it hopefully teaches a little bit of humility um, that there isn't this this one glorious answer that these people have all found. Um, but actually it's, it's much more about understanding that there are a variety of approaches and a variety of different ways to grow a CMO. Thank you so much for being on the show. I've learned a ton from this myself. It's broadened my horizons. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Nathan. I, I have a lot to learn still about being a podcast host, and I think I probably have a, a lot more to learn about being a podcast guest as well. So uh, thank you for having me. This is Influence is a production of Bridge Growth, the B2B podcasting agency for enterprise brands. I could not produce this show without our crack staff here at Bridge. Sarah Spence is our production assistant. Christoph Bwaszczek is our head of production. I'm Nathan Alibaba. You've been listening to This is Influence.